President Vladimir Putin and Russia planning to call up 300,000 military reservists to reinforce the invasion of Ukraine. What does this mean for the war-torn country? With some insight from both sides, we're joined by Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. Good morning to you once again, Andrew. Thanks for being with us. You're very welcome, and good morning to you, too. Okay, so clearly, uh, if Russia is calling up 300,000 more military reservists, they are in need of military members. This bodes not so well for Russia, but it looks like Ukraine may be getting the upper hand in this war. Is that the truth? Yeah, they have the opera. Ukraine got the uh, operational uh, sort of momentum uh, after their victory last week in taking Kharkiv and the Kharkiv Oblast. Um, so they took the sort of top third part of the of the eastern part of the Ukraine that's under under war right now. This was a major, uh, A, for the Ukrainians, major uplift in their morale and militarily, very important what they did. For the Russians, a major shock. Uh, and this is not hidden. Russian official media is all over this. They're shocked. Uh, and so the Russians realized that they're on their heels now. Um, the war is not going well. It had gone well earlier in July, blah, 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 but not good now. So they cannot sustain the current rate of combat with the Ukrainians unless they call up the reserves, something that Putin had tried to avoid doing. He tried to fight this with what, what's called in-place forces. He now has realized he cannot, so he's called for this partial limited mobilization of 300,000. They can go up to 2 million in ready reserves, or, and then they can go up to actually 30 million potential. You know, So this is still a, a portion of what they can do, but it shows they have to do something. The human resources portion, you broke it down for us there, Andrew, but of course within that, uh, you know, you, you might not have willing participants. Uh, we're hearing about these protests and uh, being reported by even the Washington Post that 1,300 Russian citizens arrested for their protests. Could the backlash from the Russian people be the downfall of President Putin? Uh, that's a real step. Uh, that, that's hard to calculate that one. And there's no evidence to suggest that Putin's regime today, as we speak, is in peril. The thing with the autocratic regimes is they're there until they're not there. Uh, and so there's there's no sort of natural democratic sort of election cycle that you can look for how our government is shifted right and this is sort of like they they hang on and then one day they're not there this is how 1989 the collapse of the soviet union and the warsaw pact that all happened overnight people didn't see it coming so i'm not going to predict to you the impact on putin's regime except to tell you that there's no evidence today as we speak however your point about uh, large numbers of Russians uh, trying to get out of the country, demonstrations. Yes, um, this is not a popular war. I mean, Russians were just why Putin has avoided mobilization up until now, when he has no choice now. Because most Russians were saying, okay, you know, this is your war. Uh, as long as it doesn't affect our lives, uh, we can go about it, then it's okay. But now it's starting to affect their lives. So this is a shift. Uh, and, and politically in Russia, this is going to be very interesting to watch. Would you think then that Putin might be panicking or is he still, you know, so crazily confident that it doesn't really matter to him? I think it's in between. I don't think he's crazily confident. I think he knows he's got a difficult problem on his hands. But at the same time, I don't think he's panicking. He's not a kind of a panic guy. Um, and, and so I think he's, he's, he's very serious. Uh, he's worried. And his defense minister, if you watch the clip on, on the news yesterday, uh, the, his defense minister is extremely worried. Putin is steely. Uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's 
basically fighting for his political life, um, but he's determined to do it. Uh, so he's not in a panic. He is girding for the for the big fight, basically. When you say the big fight, there were, uh, you know, some veiled threats, uh, you know, nuclear weapons mentioned, you know, within portions of Putin's speech. Is this still just rhetoric? Is this still just saber rattling? Or has that chance increased as uh, the Russians move further away from their main goal? Yeah, no, I think this is very real. Um, and we, but we have to take this into context. Um, what Putin is saying, and this is part of his thing about he realizes things are not going well. So what he's telling everybody, both his domestic uh, audience and, and the external audience, and chiefly Ukraine and the United States, most, most importantly, he's saying, okay, I, we, the Soviet Union, Russia, are a nuclear power, all right? We're a superpower. And superpowers with nuclear weapons do not go down in defeat because we have the, the ability to deter uh, unconditional surrender by virtue of our nuclear weapons. And so he's saying we have them. He's reminding people that. Now, uh, I don't believe he plans to use them, uh, but he, what he wants to do is use that threat essentially, to get the Americans, in my opinion, to pressure the Ukrainians to back off what, what, what would be the existential strategic area for Russia in this war, which is Crimea. It's not the eastern parts that they're fighting over right now, in my opinion. It's really Crimea, the Black Sea Fleet, and what the Russians all regard as being Russia, historically Russia. They, there's a huge distinction between Putin and even the Russian people in terms of how they view Crimea versus the eastern parts of, the, of the Ukraine that they're fighting over now, which they look at Russified Ukrainian lands. But Crimea, they believe, is historically Russian from the time that Catherine the Great took it from the Turks uh, in, uh, in the 18th century. So I believe in that sense, what Putin is saying is that we're not going to go down to defeat totally, because Ukrainians have said that is their military objective, to take Crimea. And I think Putin is saying it's not going to happen. We will go nuclear if to defend it, and then he expects the Americans to stop the Ukrainians from doing that. Andrew, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, he's been brilliant in keeping his face front and center. He talked uh, about just punishment for Russia over its invasion, asking for the creation of a special war tribunal. Is that something that is likely to happen down the road, or are we just not even there yet? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. You see, you, I mean, tribunals can be set. There's investigations going on now by the International mm -hmm. uh, Criminal Court. For the, that is ongoing. Mm -hmm. The process of collecting evidence is ongoing. But the trial side, well, you've got to have them in the dock, right? So you've got to have Putin in the dock, right? And in The Hague and so on, for example. Uh, that's nowhere near happening. Uh, at the present time, it ultimately happened in Yugoslavia. You know, after it took years uh, in, in in those trials to get Milosevic and the people who were responsible for crimes there finally in the dock. But it did happen ultimately. Uh, will it happen here? Too hard to tell. But these people, this is a, again a nuclear power, and Yugoslavia was not a nuclear power. So uh, I would suggest that that's a way long off. I know. Don't, we will not predict the future, but I'd say the probabilities right now are stacked against uh, uh, what the Ukrainians are trying to achieve in terms of convictions. Maybe we won't predict the future, but I don't think I think it's safe to say nobody would would have predicted seven months ago that we'd still be talking about this. It's it's incredible nope. in this form. Uh, no, we didn't. I mean, I'm I'm on record being completely wrong in the early days. Although I've kind of straightened things out in the last few months, the last few, certainly since June, I think I've been not too bad. But I think we're still into a slog, and uh, people are now talking about winter war. Yeah, very interesting times. I'm, I'm glad you're all over it for us. Thank you so much, Andrew.
You're very welcome. Great to talk to you guys. Andrew Rasoulis, a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs.